Hiya, Georgia here. We record these episodes in advance, but we both felt it would be very strange to put this episode out without adding a note to say how sad we were to hear about the untimely passing of Joey Jordison this week. Welcome to Frankenstein podcast from Planet 13. It's the punk rock popcorn pajama party. It sure is. And we are deep. At, well, we're at the end of slasher summer season. Yeah, we've survived we, so far. Have we? <laughs> Let's find out because I'll tell you one thing. I'm not surviving this heat. No, that is true. It is still extremely toasty at our location. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to Frankenstein Podcast from Planet 13. This is a podcast that is all about horror punk music and the films that inspire it. I'm still working on, like, summarising the podcast in one sentence. I like that. That's good. Okay, shall we see if I can consistently do that every week from here on out? <laughs> it's about horror punk music and the films that inspire it. Yeah. That's succinct. And as Andy has already alluded to... We are in the very final episode of our summer slasher season, which has been going for all of July, uh, and has been a real uh, in-at-the-deep-end experience for me, uh, as we went almost chronologically through three decades, four decades-ish of slasher movies. Four decades, yeah. Halloween, 1979. Right Friday the 13th, 1980. House, House of Sorority, Sorority Row, Row, 83. 83. Scream, 94. 96. 96. The 90s. And then our first film of the podcast that takes place this millennium. We're only 21 years into it. We are closing out Slasher Summer. We have dove off the pier into deep waters, much like Jason Voorhees. But will we survive? Will we survive? Freddy versus Jason. Andy, whoever wins, we lose. Yeah. Man. That's Alien versus Predator, but I feel that the concept holds. I feel like we lost... I felt like 20 minutes into this film, I was I was losing. Yeah, I definitely lost 101 minutes of my life. <laughs> okay. This is the first film of the whole podcast, I think, where I've not dreaded making the episode, but... I have been thinking, what am I going to say about Freddy versus freaking Jason? So I would say it's pretty apparent on the podcast that we have a like a positive vibes policy, right? Like, yeah. neither of us have made a film. We know making a film's really hard. We're not here to be yet another, like, what were they thinking bad movie podcast. That is not what we are here to do. We're here to have a great time, listen to music we love, We're hang out, watch Shotgun some beers. At Crystal wear, Lake. Wear our pyjamas. Yeah. And party. Th- that said... <laughs> man, this movie sucked. <laughs> it sucked ass. It took like ten years. It spent ten years in production hell. And then when Should they finally... Should have stayed there. Yeah, God, it just wasn't worth it at all. <laughs> um, but we're going to find some interesting things to talk about, no doubt. And it's not like the film isn't without its good bits. Yeah, I... We both said while watching it, like, it basically 
isn't a film, it's a series of set pieces, and some of the set pieces are moderately successful. Yeah, there was, there was an occasional five minutes here and there where I thought, okay, but then it... There'd be the odd visual where I was like, oh nice, you can tell that the director, Ronnie Yu, is like a real visual effects guy. Yeah. Um... Plot-wise, didn't uh, didn't tick many of my boxes. There was a plot? Of sorts. Uh, no, actually, the plot was very apparent because Freddy reiterated it to camera about 12 times in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. It was like the, the movie really didn't trust us to understand what was happening, so they had a burned paedophile tell us what was happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, my biggest problem with this film is Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never watched a Nightmare on Elm Street film. Yeah, this was probably a weird way for us to join the series, I suppose. Yeah. I'd go well, back and watch one. We haven't really... I've only watched Jason X. That's the only Friday the 13th film I've seen that stars Jason Voorhees as the killer. But I've got to say, I just wanted this to be a Jason movie. Freddy... Every time Freddy popped up, it was like, oh, God. Here's it, this movie's poochie. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when it was just Jason, I actually thought, okay, you know, we're building on a bit of a slasher film here. Not great. I mean, he just walks around killing people. Yeah. I know that that sounds really reductive. But but... it's not what a slasher film actually is. This film has a huge body count, probably equal, if not greater, to everything else we've watched for Slasher Summer. Yeah. Which is proof in itself that it's just not a slasher. It's a massacre movie. Yeah, I, I just feel, again, like, this has got that kind of... 90s coked up Hollywood executive energy where they were just like oh shovel shit down their throat they'll love it yeah so I mean you know we're not here necessarily like we said to talk about the sort of development hell the history of this there's some really good YouTube videos about that if you're interested in how the film got made yeah there's some really informative YouTube videos what was that one guy we watched Joe Blow oh, yeah Joe, Joe Blow shout out to Joe Blow horror videos on yeah. YouTube. I've watched makes, a few of them. He makes some really good ones. A series called What the Fuck Happened to This Horror Movie that's definitely recommended if you want to get like a bit of a dive into the production history of the movie. But I think we're here more to like... We're here as the approach. little lambs led blindly to the slaughter to tell you our experiences of watching it. So I would say neither of us came in here with like a horse in the race, right? Like, I suppose... If I had to pick one, I would have picked Jason coming into this. Because even having never seen Nightmare on Elm Street, I know that Freddy is, yeah, like a child molester. Jason. Jason. (laughs) Jason. Yeah, definitely. Freddy, I don't get it, man. Um, I know I'm going to make a lot of enemies saying this, I think, but I just don't get Freddy Krueger. I guess it seemed sort of... uh, meta at the time but it just kind of derails the film every time he turns up and does his cheeky winks to the camera and just explicitly outlines what the plot of the movie is verbatim it feels like eight years after scream was made this film was trying to do meta bits you know like the final girl is called laurie and yeah stuff like that but it's do you think they're trying to set up a franchise and do Freddy versus Jason versus Michael Myers versus Leatherface versus 
whatever the fuck. I don't know. Maybe like it, it's it's so much more supernatural. It's you know nothing else that we've watched this season has had like a strong supernatural element. Whereas this like starts in hell and yeah. has like a dead body rising from the grave. Like I understand. Like if all of that took place in the sort of dream parts of the film, that would make sense, I suppose. But yeah. man, when he was ping ponging uh, Jason around the mm. factory or whatever that was, and it was making like the pinball machine noises and stuff, and he was very cartoonishly ping ponging around, I wanted to turn the movie off there and then. That just really, oh, they did that to my boy. <laughs> They did that to Jason. They made him look like a buffoon. Yeah, it's all very strange. I, I, having not seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, it definitely made me want to go back and watch the first film, which was a, a Wes Craven, right? Yeah. Do You said you found something out about me in the week between us recording the Scream episode and us recording this episode when you told me that Wes Craven had had a cameo in Scream. Yes. And you said that you wished you had known so that you could make fun of me for it on the podcast. So I am going to leave myself wide open. Uh, and if you want, you can tell people the thing you learned about me this week. Okay. So my fabulous co-host here. I don't know why. And no judgment, man. I'm not going to make fun of you. But for some reason you thought that Wes Craven was a black guy. Yeah, I went through my whole life thinking that Wes Craven was African-American. I've been thinking, like, wow, it's pretty radical that this black guy, like, made these really influential horror movies in, like, the the 1980s. Like, that's so groundbreaking. And at a time (laughs) where, like, you know, where there were, like, fewer opportunities for people of colour in Hollywood, especially in, like, directorial roles and stuff, I was like, all right, yeah. And then (laughs) you were like... Oh, you know the scene in Scream where he's there's a the janitor, janitor in the school and he looks exactly like Freddy Krueger. That was Wes Craven. I was like, no, it wasn't. He's a black guy. <laughs> Bless you. So Wes Craven directed Scream, right? Uh, he did, yeah. Yeah, and he I think just before Scream he directed a Nightmare on Elm Street film called Freddy Krueger, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay. Shit, I should probably Google that before I start talking about it. Um, just with you saying what this film was trying to do in terms of its kind of meta... Uh, pastiche of the slasher genre Mm. had already been done by Wes Craven. So taking the Freddy Krueger character that is Wes Craven's you know... uh, Yeah, his his baby. It is like it's so cheap. It feels like so much in this movie was kind of like an afterthought. Well, you know what makes it even more offensive is that Sean S. Cunningham, the director of Friday the 13th, exec produced this film. I mean, like, what does that mean? Well, yeah, fair enough, but like everything that happened in this film might not have had Wes Craven say so with his iconic character, but everything that happened with Jason, Sean S. Cunningham signed off on, and had previously made Jason X as well, so I feel like maybe he was just really up for some new directions with Jason. <laughs> I remember Jason X having some laughs. Yeah, I can believe it. I, think, I wish we'd watched Jason X instead. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's let's roll back. Let's, let's roll back. Focus up. Let's try yeah, let's get some structure to this podcast. Okay. To this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> talks about Freddy, we've talked about Jason. We'll get to them again in a little bit. Let's talk about our human characters. 
<laughs> if you can call them that. We have got I mean, Laurie. The... Yes. Gib, a.k.a. Ginger from Ginger Snaps. Mm. Um, Kelly Rowland. Kelly freaking Rowland. How could I forget about Kelly Rowland? Uh, with some unfortunate dated slurs, mm. which yeah. did not endear her as the likeable character I think they were meant to. It was no. the time of Eminem. Eminem was like number one. Yeah, yeah. Throwing around homophobic slurs was just very much du yeah. jour in two thousand and three. History's weird, kids. Ask your parents. So yeah, you've got they're the sort of three. There are girls. Yeah, there are starting girls, and then there's there's two boys. Our starting girls need some starting boys, who are two men who escape from a local sanitarium. Uh, what's the word? Yeah, like, like psychiatric it, hospital. Yeah, they escape from a psychiatric hospital, where it turns out they've all been steadily drugged on a drug called hypnosil, which renders people um, in unable to dream, stops their dreams, and this is a way that this town has found to combat Freddy Krueger. Yeah, they've solved their Freddy problem by basically making everyone forget he ever existed, deleting yeah. all record of him at the local library, which is obviously the only way. Making it's... sure their kids can't dream, so they so Freddy can't get to them in their dreams. And this has left him very incredibly weak. He's in a weakened state where he can't do anything. Right. Off the bat, that's a good concept. Yeah. You can do a good film about that. And so Freddy decides to use Jason Voorhees, who for some reason can leave hell whenever he wants to sort of regenerate a body and just go on a killing spree. Okay, whatever. I'm not going to question that too much. So far, so good. Yeah, I mean, we've got, like, the pieces are on the board, right? (laughs) Well, then it starts to introduce pieces that are never resolved in any satisfying way. You've got a police officer who isn't in on the conspiracy, um, sort of. You mean Deputy Stubbs? <laughs> yeah, you've got. Well, I was thinking, like, God, this is just Deputy Dewey. Yeah. All over again. But he's sort of. He's out of the film for such a long period of time that when he came back into the film, I was like, oh, God, yeah, this guy. This yeah, and then guy. he was in it for about 10 minutes and then he gets electrocuted. Yeah, like, it was so unsatisfying unsatisfying i'd say describes a lot of what happens in this film yeah what would you say for people who love slasher films what's like the high spots what are the bits that you really look forward to like the sort of the focal points of the the slasher well to me the chase and then the catch and the the possibility of the not catch does that make me sound weird no, I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think it makes sense. Um, and, you know, like, for a Friday the 13th in particular, like an on-screen killing is something, you know, like it might be done in a creative way or it might be, you know, like, you certainly get the sense that the killer, like, is doing it intentionally. Yeah. About half the on-screen deaths in this basically look like accidents. They're treated completely like throwaway by the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a scene where um, Catherine Isabel, who played Gib, she gets really drunk at a party and she passes out in a cornfield. 
And then she starts to get, like, harassed by Freddy in her nightmares. But while this is happening, this absolute skis ball notices that she's off away from everyone else at the party, passed out. You know, and he decides to um, commit sexual assault on her uh, while she's sleeping. And so in the real world, he's doing that. And Jason Voorhees attacks him with a, a spear? What the hell is he attacking with? It's yeah, like, like a bit of metal that he pulled off something, I think. Yeah, like a huge piece of metal. And so she's getting chased by Freddy in a dream. But Jason stumbles upon them, I guess, and decides to kill him and yeet him a mile into the air, which looked cartoonish. But in the process of doing that, he also kills Catherine Isabel. I didn't even realise that that was what had happened. In the scene with Freddy, she disappears and he goes, no, she's mine. Yeah, no, and... Jason sort of like, he killed her and took her, took the kill. He fragnabbed yeah. the kill from Freddy Krueger. Sort of like prompting the rivalry. Yeah, which with Freddy not gaining any more power, which is what he sent Jason to do. So he needs to get control of Jason. But Jason sort of like accidentally killed her yeah he tried he was definitely intending to kill the guy who was on top of her and then and you see that kill but you don't see you you see you just sort of see her dead afterwards i felt like it's like a couple of inches of the metal also goes into her but it's so like again unsatisfying and also jason wouldn't do that man (laughs) jason knows who he's gonna kill and then he kills him yeah he doesn't accidentally kill people. And he's not really, like, an opportunistic... Like, so immediately following that scene, he just, like, hacks his way through about 30 teens at a party. Yeah. Meanwhile, the main teens have just, like, casually driven away from the party and are having a slightly emotional van scene. Oh, there's no consistency of emotion from scene to scene. One minute, yeah, they've they're... just seen their friends, like, murdered. Yeah. And there's no there's no space in between the scenes either. I noticed that with um oh god who was it? Something happened. It was it was the two people escaping from the, the psychiatric the facility. The psychiatric facility. It was the two people escaping from the psychiatric facility, and one of them's like drugged. Um, mm. There was this whole sh- scenario where he had to get himself drugged to steal keys off a porter, uh, a nurse. What what is? And then his mate breaks them both out, but he's obviously, like, carrying him because the guy can't move his legs because he's basically knocked out on tranquilizers. And it's very dramatic, and they're running through the rain, and they've just escaped this place that they've been for four years, maybe longer, I'm not sure. And then it goes to the next scene, which is still them, which is weird. And they're at a library looking at microfiche. (laughs) And they're just, like, talking, like, oh, why have all these deaths been redacted in the obituaries? And it's so jarring. Like, hang on, you were just running through a dramatic storm, tranked out of your mind, escaping this prison that you've been imprisoned in due to some crazy conspiracy for years. They immediately pick up a van, which they had in the photo. They're able to go to homes. Like, it doesn't... They go to, like, a library at night and start looking at newspaper, like... And yeah, there's nothing in between these two scenes that explains it. You're just meant to accept that it's happened. And again, when we're at the cornfield party and Jason comes out and starts macheting 
everyone, like he's in Machete. Uh, but yeah, teenagers that see their friends get brutally masked in front of them. Skip immediately, jump cut to the next scene. They're in a van talking calmly. Yeah. What's going on? No one... Like, I get that this isn't, like, a smart movie. I get that it's, you know, popcorn trash. That is fine, but it's... Like, no one in it behaves the way a person would behave. No. And I think they did in the original Friday the 13th. Yeah, and, I mean, I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but, you know, that was a... That's not, like, a ludicrous film. It, it just... It feels so... Like you said, like, the people who made the film have no respect for the audience. Yeah. And when you start to feel like that, I just start to think, well, fuck this movie then. Stick <laughs> it up your ass. <laughs> and I'll say that to Ronnie Yu, because I was reading in the trivia, and we noticed this when we were watching the film, when Catherine Isbell gets in the shower. All of a sudden, I've watched Ginger Snaps a hundred times, I love that movie. She's a... You like know, a, a normal looking a teenage normal looking girl. teenage girl. Her her body type is her body type. Suddenly, when she's in a shower, she's got these big fake Hollywood knockers, <laughs> and I thought, well, that's clearly a stand-in. <laughs> she doesn't look anything like that. Uh, I read on the IMDb trivia page before we started doing this podcast that she agreed to no nudity in that film. She agreed it. She was explicit about it. And then Ronnie Yu, during the filming of the film repeatedly tried to pressure her into doing nudity. So. Man, screw that guy. Get fucked. Trying to do that for your piece of shit film? Yeah. Shove it up your ass. That, that's not going to save your film. Also, there's plenty of tits in the film. They do not make it any better. Like. Make it a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but Fair consensual enough. titties. That's what we like. Consensual. Yeah. Everyone's having a good time titties. I don't want no pressured into it titties absolutely not yeah it doesn't feel like the film is like you said it certainly doesn't feel like the film respects the audience it doesn't feel like it respects the characters now i can partly understand that in that like by 2003 both freddy and jason had been variously to hell to space to manhattan (laughs) um you know like these characters had a long afterlife beyond their first sort of early films and they became more cartoonish and more, uh, you know, silly. Uh, fine. But I, I don't think that it had a lot of... It didn't feel like a film that loved those characters and wanted to make something, you know, that like pitted them against each other in a way that had any respect for the history. And then I also don't think the film had any respect for the non-main characters, your your sort of teenage victims. No. I know this sounds weird, but if someone's going to be killed in this kind of film, it sort of needs to matter. Yeah. And the number of times that, like, especially in the finale, like, the final scene is just atrocious. But, like, most of the main characters are either killed in this really offhand way, just, like, randomly sort of slammed across the like the scene and yeah. implied to die or one of them it is just like left to bleed out like we don't even see him die we're just like visually told like oh yeah this guy will bleed to death off scene yeah yeah Ugh. do you think that was some sort of weird ratings thing 
I don't know, because there's a lot of incredibly gory and, like, you know, generally nudity is seen as less acceptable in films than <laughs> horrible gore. Yeah. And there's, there's plenty of nudity. Yeah, it was... I We try and see the best in things here. It was hard to see the best in this, but let's... In the spirit of positivity, before we move on to our next phase, uh, what was something that you liked about this film? Jason was six foot five. It was the biggest Jason we've ever had. Um, it wasn't Kane Hodder. Mm. I can't remember who it was, but he was the tallest actor to ever play Jason at six five, and Jason looked great in this film. They had um, a, a great big Jason. He moved well. I I just wanted it to be a Jason film. He moved. Like how you expect Jason to move. He had a presence on screen. Uh, so that's good. Good Jason. Um, in the moment, there were moments when the characters did shine. Like, there were some good concepts. Uh, to offer a counterpoint, so you thought you liked Jason in this. I will say that you can tell that Ronnie Yu is a director who's known for his visual effects. So, uh... He was chosen for this off the basis of his work in, on Bride of Chucky. And I thought that the Freddy makeup was really good. And the Freddy effects, especially for 2003, actually, there were some really good like transition effects, you know, where he was like changing from Pamela Voorhees into yeah. uh, Freddy Krueger and stuff. So I'm going to say that a lot of the visual effects looked good, especially for the time. And there were some very good... Like, m moments that looked cool, like a panicked teenager sets Jason on fire and he's walking through this cornfield, setting it ablaze as he just sort of relentlessly walks forward. Like, that's a cool visual. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's like they made cool stuff to put in the trailer. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Uh, also, uh, it features one of the stupidest lines I've ever heard in an entire movie. Like, ever. Both of us could not stop laughing about this or just randomly repeating this to each other throughout the film uh, when Laurie suddenly <laughs> sort of startles awake and goes, Wait! Jason died by water and Freddy died by fire. Can we use that? <laughs> Classic. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks for your input. <laughs> and then they proceed to not use that for like another 40 minutes. I mean, do they use it at all? Well, in the end, they kind of explode them into a lake, which is fire and water. They don't do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, the lake that was surrounded by just metric shit ton of explosives for no yeah. apparent reason. Well, when they closed down Camp Crystal Lake, it became gas storage facility <laughs> Crystal Lake. The, the concept was good. I'm just wondering if it was a bit of an unfilmable movie yeah like, like how could you make a good freddy versus jason yeah freddy doesn't die that's the whole point jason doesn't die that's the whole point how are you gonna make a freddy versus jason movie okay uh you have them have a competition who can kill five teens quicker <laughs> <laughs> no a competition with style points i think yeah i don't think like you said it's just got that feeling like, it was commissioned in the 90s, it's got that kind of cocaine-fueled, like... You know they approached Rob Zombie to direct and he said no? Oh my god, that man has never said no to a terrible horror project in his life! Well, he said no so he could do House of a Thousand Corpses. Well, that was actually not that bad. 
not particularly my thing, but easily the best film Rob Zombie's made. <laughs> he's uh, he's too extreme for me. He does a yeah. bit relentless. He's, he's into the relentless type of horror. I mean, maybe his Monsters movie is going to be kind of good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to give that a go. Is that going to be a movie or a TV series? I think it's going to be a movie. But... I've seen... Um, do you follow him on Instagram? No, but I think you're going to say you've seen the car, right? No, he's actually... I think he's in Hungary. Uh, and they're building like the entire Monsters sort of cul-de-sac. Oh, wow. Where they live with the houses. Because I think it's going to be like... You know, very kitsch American houses, and then the monster's house is going to yeah. be. Yeah, I think. Um, but it looks like it's it's got some money behind it. Yeah, and I, you know, I trust. I sort of. <coughs> <laughs> I sort of trust him to do a good job in it because, I do think he's someone who like loves, what he does. He's just not great at, um, like curbing his excesses, I suppose, and something with more constraints like that where. He's not going to be able to make, you know, a, a very extreme gore fest. Yeah. Might drive him to be a bit more creative. Yeah. Anyway, that was quite off topic. Yeah. Stupid Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> well, on the subject of facing off, of competition, of someone versus something, it's me versus you in uh, choosing a horror punk song to go with this movie. And in keeping with the theme, we've gone for a, a sort of a Freddy versus Jason situation. Yeah. So, uh, I liked the Freddy makeup, so I have got the unfortunate job of representing Freddy. I hope you're ready for Freddy. And I have chosen, as the horror punk song to match for this movie, Nightmare on Elm Street 2016. Jerry only fronted the misfits. Splendid. Um, I have gone for 2015 as well. The Jasons, with their song, We're Gonna Kill That Girl, uh, 2014. Apologies, the Jasons. Um, yeah, you don't want to piss them off. Which are, They're a band I've only found out about in the last two weeks or so. And I watched the music video for this song and instantly fell in love. Yeah, fun band. I'm a lot of love for the Jasons. But let's uh, let's make the case a little bit for our individual songs. But before we do that, I think we should acknowledge that there is, technically speaking, a horror punk song on the soundtrack of Freddy vs. Jason. It hurts me. It hurts me. It's another... I'm wounded by this film because it's my boy Wednesday 13 in the Murder Dolls, at the height of the Murder Dolls, being the hottest shit on the scene and I got this CD I got it and I had to listen to goddamn Kill Switch Engaged that all my friends liked at the time because I had this new sound what did they call it like metal metal core and I was like Kill Switch Engage Kill Switch Engage oh my god and I was like yeah, fuck that shit skip to track 9 or whatever it was Murder Dolls here we go and it was the hypnosil of music <laughs> it's got no dreams oh my god it's so dreary and so the, the track is welcome to the strange which was like a lot of murder dolls tracks originally a drag queen's track yes and the difference is night night and day uh the drag queen's track is really fun really atmospheric uh it does this really great transition into riders of the storm or riders on the storm by the doors Probably 
didn't bother with any copyright there, <laughs> uh, and goes back into Welcome to the Strange. It's fucking awesome. Check that song out. It's on. It's on songs from the recently deceased, I think, which came out in about 1999, I think. Uh, I'm not going to fact check that. Just trust me. Just listen to that song. It rocks. But the Murder Dolls song on the Freddy vs. Jason soundtrack, Welcome to the Strange, same title, completely different. Well, not completely different song. It's got some lyrical similarities, but it sucks ass. So maybe it would be more apt for this film than the Jasons, to be honest, because the Jasons are awesome. That's uh, That is fair enough. Well, I'm going to make my case for why we should choose my Freddy song, Nightmare on Elm Street, by The Misfits. Well, I, in fact, I'm not going to use my own words for this. I'm going to read a little, some excerpts from a review from punknews.org. Oh, this is what our listeners pay for. It's not going to be much. I just think this person said it better than I ever could. <clears throat> it is yet another one of Jerry Only's attempts to keep dragging out this version of The Misfits by delivering mediocre and subpar tunes to diehard and incredibly loyal fans. Uh, with lyrics that basically just tell the story of the film, you have to wonder, are the Misfits even trying here? Uh, I agree with that 100%. This song is really dumb. There's a reason why Jerry Only is no one's favourite Misfits frontman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you played me this because I'd never heard it. I stopped listening to Misfits after Project 1950. Uh, Should have stopped before, honestly. <laughs> it sounds like The Damned. I, I, it doesn't sound like the Misfits at all. It sounds more like the Damned to me. Yeah, I totally get that. We saw uh, Jerry only fronting the Misfits a few years ago, probably around this kind of time, actually, around yeah. twenty sixteen. Uh, not one of my top twenty five favorite shows I've ever been to. No. Um. Yeah. So the reason why I think this is a good match is it's low effort and. It's not very good, uh, which I think pairs perfectly with Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I'll buy that. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to bring the Jasons into this. Jasons are awesome. Yeah, I tell you what. If you take one thing away from this episode, don't watch Freddy versus Jason. But do, do the, listen to the Jasons. Listen to the Jasons. Yeah, they are like so. Yeah, fun, like horror punk, bordering on just a straight up punk band. They yeah. all wear Jason masks. I've only seen two, three. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies, if we're including Freddy vs Jason and Jason X, um, I can only imagine that I'm going to enjoy them even more the more of these movies I watch. <laughs> so, watch Friday the Thirteenth. Listen to the Jasons. Don't I... watch Freddy vs Jason. Don't listen to the Misfits. Listen to the Misfits. Don't listen to anything where Jerry only is the singer. Stop at Famous Monsters. Don't go further. I'm still going to give you the win. I'm going to give you the win on this episode because you did pick objectively the better song. Who we're going to kill that girl? Uh, and I do also feel like the um, the spirit of the song is good because, you know, it's a good one to close out Slasher Summer. Yeah. Oh, and Slasher Summer has been really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for you especially, it seems to have really, like, ignited a, a love of the genre. It has. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss it. I'm probably well, going to have to corner you and make you watch some more Friday the 13th movies. I really want to watch Prom Night. We're definitely gonna watch more slashes in the future, but I think it's time for us to switch things up a little bit, like 
have some different some different material to work with. Mm. Maybe it's not the last we've seen of Catherine Isabel. Mm, perhaps not. What do we usually say at the end of the podcast? Okay, so now what you want to do, I'll I'll take the lead. You've done this for the last eleven episodes, twelve episodes. I'm gonna do this off the top of my dome. If you like what you hear here, hear here. here. <laughs> uh oh. Follow us on Instagram at planet underscore thirteen underscore podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at planet thirteen podcast. No underscores. And if you want to check out any of the songs we've mentioned, I'm putting a playlist together on Spotify called the Frankenstein playlist from Planet Thirteen. I definitely recommend checking it out. It means that you can listen to all the songs we talked about, whether they are bangers or not so bangers <laughs> yeah i think it sounds better if you do get a portable speaker and take your phone and go out with some friends to camp crystal lake on a friday night play it loud drink some beers have premarital sex mm. see what happens yeah you should definitely take your shirt off before listening to it that just makes sense yeah to be honest do drugs I'm- I'm, I'm going to say this a little bit scandalous, but uh, it's so hot where we're recording today, we're actually both recording no shirt. Yeah, seriously, like, it is too hot. I but, uh, uh, there's Andy just uh, behind you. Oh no, a looming shadow. It's the hot man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Get out of my house! The, dread, the dreaded slasher, the hot man. He's here to cut you in half with a fan. Okay, guys, we've gone, we've gone crazy from the heat. We're just <laughs> going to leave you to it. So until next time, we, we belong, belong dead. dead.